Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Today on Accent of Women, we turn our focus to Sudan. On October 25th, the Sudanese military carried out a coup, announcing the dissolution of the power-sharing Sovereignty Council and the transitional government. It arrested Prime Minister Abdullah Hamdouk and declared a state of emergency. Since that time, there have been massive street protests. In fact, it's a revolutionary situation on the ground over there. There's been a media and internet blackout for almost three weeks, making it very difficult to obtain information and convey to the protesters all of the support that there is for their struggle. My guest on today's program is Sara Sinada, and she starts off by introducing herself. My name is Sara Sinada. I work as a program manager for um, an international NGO. Uh, I've also co-founded um, an organization called Media for Justice in Sudan. Um, I work with a number of initiatives that support, um, that have been supporting the Sudanese revolution, and I'm here in, in, in many capacities, basically, but more so as in my capacity as a Sudanese woman. What brought on this coup? What's the context for it? Well, there's many reasons. Um, I think the first and most straightforward and clearest one is, is, is fear from the military side. So... Um, just as the military were to begin the transition to, to civilian control, they staged this coup. Uh, when they staged the coup, they were meant to hand over the, the leadership of the sovereign, uh, the sovereign council to a civilian leader. And um, they, they staged this coup just to confirm that they were not to be trusted in the first place. They dissolved the sovereign council and cabinet and mayors and secretaries and governors. What was happening um, right before that was the investigation into uh, the massacre that took place on June 3rd, which was carried out um, uh, at the hands of the military mainly and the rapid support forces that uh, are led by Commander Hemeti, who committed mass atrocities in Darfur before. Um, and they've got a lot of interest in this investigation in the June 3rd massacre um, not to be completed. This investigation, um, I think Commander Hemeti is very well known to have a lot of interest in joining uh, in the, 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 the in becoming the leader of Sudan and becoming the next president of Sudan. And that's why even though they staged this coup, they still said that they're willing to um, hold democratic elections in a couple of years, and they're happy to hand over to a civilian government. And basically, the the long term vision of of, of uh, that they have is to, you know, just switch hats, take off their military gear, and Hemeti to um, represent him to represent himself to the Sudanese um, people as a civilian. Now, if this investigation is completed, um, there's going to be um, credible hard evidence uh, against um, these people that they spilled blood of uh, Sudanese civilians on the streets. And how is the international community then to recognize such a person as a leader? How 
are the people of Sudan going to vote for such a person? So that's that's um, that's the reason why. And then coming back to your question about Omar Bashir, uh, who himself came to power in a military coup in 1989. Uh, under Omar Bashir, we had a gang of military and ex-military personnel who treated this nation as their family business, basically. They created the dictatorship that was founded on corruption and that enabled corruption and controlled resources using very racist and neo-colonialist techniques of instilling conflict to divide and conquer. And that's what they did in Darfur. Um, and they silenced the masses using weapons of fear, using religion. So it was, uh, it was, it was an absolute disaster. December, um, came December 2019 and the Sudanese revolution um, started. It didn't start actually, it was going on the whole time. Um, he's just been suppressing it. Like he, he, it was a, it was a very oppressive regime and there were several attempts at the revolution, but the December 2019 revolution was the one that was really successful. Um, and he was sentenced to two years, basically, in a social reform facility for corruption at the time, because under Sudanese law, people over the age of 70 cannot serve jail terms. But um, then what happened is that the sovereign uh, council voted uh, that he actually gets handed over to the Hague for the crimes that he committed in Darfur. And that also really ticked off the military because, you know, they, they everybody, each one of them, you know, knows what they did. And the, knowing that they have no immunity, no one else, that no one does, something like Omar Bashir being handed over to the Hague was completely unthinkable a few years ago. So for something like this to happen, I think it, it also um, played a key uh, role in triggering this military coup. The, so the, the International Criminal Court, which has this case against al-Bashir, does the coup make it, more likely that the ICC will be able to prosecute prosecute him for war crimes or less likely? And then what of the impact of the, the major protests now on specifically the ICC case against al-Bashir? Definitely less. Definitely less. If anything, as I said, the, the military coup was triggered by this uh, really scary prospect for them that Bashir could actually be handed over to the Hague. Um, as I said, the military, they want to hold elections. They want to become um, the, the next civilian leadership, as funny as that uh, sounds. So they, 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 would never, they would never hand him over to the ICC, never. Now, the, the current situation in Sudan, the, the protesters in the street, the um, bubbling revolutionary strength and power of those masses on the street, and, and the, the, the protesters seem very unified in their demand for, a com for complete civilian rule, so abandoning the um, power share arrangement that was um, agreed to in 2019. The, these protesters have called general strikes, etc. What What is happening on the ground now? Um, that's, it's very difficult to know, by the way, considering that Sudan is now on its, uh, today's the 14th day 
of internet blackout, complete internet blackout in Sudan. I, I can't access my family. It's extremely difficult. Um, and so the flow of information is extremely difficult. What we know for sure, that at least 100 people have been um, injured after the, the protests that happened after the coup. Uh, we know that we've got at least 10 people pronounced dead, 10 martyrs. We, we're saying that's the least number because we know that um, once internet is back, that's when we'll get the actual information, flow of information between resistance committees um, will hopefully happen more easily and we will be able to find out more. Life in Sudan has been very difficult. It's been very difficult even um, after the revolution. The economy has been in free fall collapse. Um, we've got increase of presence of soldiers everywhere. So friends and family say that it's just, it's just so much worse now because after the revolution and this power sharing, we had a bit of an illusion of freedom and safety. But now with all these soldiers out on the streets, you know, the, the sense of volatility and, and vulnerability that uh, any moment anything could happen. Uh, you know, if, if a soldier just, you know, at, at, at his whim decides to hold a gun to your face and just shoot, you know, it could happen and there's no accountability there. So it's quite scary. The positive side is that Sudanese people have clearly decided that they are willing to die for democracy. So we've got um, the resistance committees in every neighborhood organizing very strongly, um, building uh, blockades to every street, uh, not allowing uh, soldiers in or out so it's it's a constant uh, chase and game of hide and seek soldiers come in they uh, uh, get rid of the blockades then the neighborhood resistance committees and and young people rebuild them back again making movement incredibly difficult for them uh, we've got night protests that are happening every night within neighborhoods, even now in the middle of the internet blockout and despite the lack of communication. We've had over 4 million people go out on the streets right after the military coup just to say no. So um, the people are really strong in their stance and they're adamant on making themselves heard. I mean, despite the internet blockout, I, we've all seen images of, of the people on the streets on international media. And the way that was organized was incredibly inspiring. It's just Sudanese people who live outside of Sudan, sending SIM cards to uh, young people from the resistance committees in their neighborhood. The international SIM cards are used by these young people to document everything that's happening. And it's broadcasted live on international news channels. So it's, it's promising in that sense. Um, and then discussions about hidden negotiations that are happening behind closed doors. We hear about them, um, but we don't really know for sure what's really happening. Uh, we heard of failed negotiations that have been happening the past two days, but in my opinion, it's something else. When you say um, the, the failed negotiations and you implied that it was something else, what did you mean by that? Well, because nothing has been really communicated uh, clearly to the people, my personal opinion is that 
an, an, an agreement or a decision has already been made about what's going to happen. And it's probably not something that is going to make the Sudanese streets happy. Um, a failed negotiation is basically a negotiation where the military uh, wins, where the military decides what they want to do. Um, and I, 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 my personal opinion is that they're probably just trying to figure out a way to break it to Sudanese people in a way that would force them to accept it. And that's why they're continuing with the isolation of Sudanese people and with keeping internet communication completely off. So they have no idea about the kind of support that they're getting from um, outside of Sudan. It's very minimal, just what they see on the news. Um, media channels are also completely controlled by the allies of the military government, like uh, certain Arab channels that are controlled by um, you know, Egyptian media, which is a close ally of the military and so on and so forth. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, we look at the revolutionary situation in Sudan, the attempts to cripple it, and the strength and determination of the movement to struggle and break through to victory. My guest is Sarah Sinada, Sudanese woman and co-founder of Media for Justice in Sudan. Earlier, you were talking about the um, inspiring images on our TV screens of the resistance, just the sheer number of young people that are leading the movement. And I couldn't help but notice just the sheer volume of young women leaders on the ground leading this struggle. What do you say about that? Um, Well, Sudanese women have been disproportionately and of course the most impacted by all the previous oppressive governments that we've had and especially that of Bashir and then followed by the military. Um, All kinds of injustice was practiced on women from physical violence to restrictions to how we uh, express ourselves, how we, um, what we can do, what what can women a study at university, what kind of, what, what she can wear to school, what she can, the future of women, what kind of everything. They, we were the most disproportionately affected. So it was only normal to see women taking part um, in the protests heavily, if not more than men. So at 1 p.m. every day, uh, when the protests get out on the streets, 1 p.m., that's the we call it that's the clock of the revolution. 1 p.m. is when all the protests starts. It starts with the ululation of a woman, of a Sudanese woman. We've seen women support the um, mobile clinics. Female doctors were there. We've seen um, uh, young uh, media students and female, um, you know, TV presenters, and they were present in every aspect of this revolution. Now, are we leading in terms of negotiations? Are we leading in terms of governance? That's been, of course, the disappointment. I mean, even after all the sacrifices of Sudanese women who took part in the revolution, who sacrificed their lives, who were also raped right there at the military headquarters uh, at the June 3rd, on the June 3rd massacre, who 
despite all these sacrifices, we only got two seats in the cabinet as um, as female ministers. And then the military coup happened and, 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 and we're still continuing to fight. We're definitely continuing to fight. We're not letting it um, stop us. Well, that is, um, firstly, it's a lot that Sudanese women are carrying, but also quite tremendous, the role that they're playing. And obviously the struggle for to end sexism is still a necessary part of this revolution for the reasons that you talked about. Um, I want to shift the conversation to the international community. I mean, particularly the, the leaders of the United States and the European Union, um, because they claim to be doing their best to step in and try to negotiate a peaceful transition of power, but they are still asking for the retention of this power share arrangement, which, as we've discussed, is inconsistent with what the protesters want. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, the power sharing agreement itself happened as a result of the pressures of the international community. It was uh, when the st- the streets of the streets of Sudan people people on the streets were in power we the, the negotiators could have definitely pushed for civilians to have to, for it to be only civilian rule but because of all these pressures for us to just you know stabilize Sudan we wanted the international community wanted stability they pushed and pushed and pushed and then we reached this really weak arrangement of power sharing with uh, genocidal murderers um, and we had to accept this for a while and during this time you know it allowed these genocidal murderers to you know push their agenda build their allyship and uh, really prepare for this moment this is the moment they've been waiting for and this is the moment that they've wanted so uh, for the international community to again push for this is completely unacceptable for the Sudanese streets and uh, it's 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 really disappointing when when we see like i mean the soldiers think that they by their standards they've been quite restrained in terms of the killings and 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 uh, the number of killings and number of injuries that happened after the military coup uh, considering that we only had over 100 people injured and only uh, 10 or 11 people killed so these are lives so it's really disappointing to see to hear when the UN and the US say that, you know, they're, they're happy to see restraint. I mean, US wants mediation and they believe that the least destabilizing way is to allow for some semblance of military presence. And, and, and that's not acceptable for people on the streets. I mean, at least for the time being, I mean, maybe, maybe later, maybe later things would change, but for right now it is not. And, and, and really the only voice that matters right now is that of the streets. Well, I know you can't read a crystal ball, but please, if you will, what do you think will happen next? And you've already hinted that there might be a secret deal that already you're saying won't be acceptable to the Sudanese people. How do you think they'll respond to that? How do you think the revolution will respond to um, the retention of what is already in place, another version of a military government? This is a really tough question. Um, it's incredibly difficult to say. It's incredibly difficult to say. We've got many um, elements in play here. We've got 
the, the military with the support of their allies. They've got the hidden support of Saudi Arabia, the support of Emirates and the support of Egypt, who all have vested interests in Sudan in terms of the military who send their soldiers to fight the, the Saudi war in Yemen, in terms of the River Nile that flows through Sudan and Egypt and the Sudanese military military's ability to you know keep the water flowing up north uh, in terms of um, we've also got uh, it's it's also a critical time because when I said that you know during the past two years and this um, civilian military power sharing government when I say it allowed the military to build their allyship it also allowed them to unite so now we've got all the different armed groups and militias coming together so the this is not just a military coup it's it's military it includes the rapid support forces who also um uh, support it it includes the different um uh, militia groups in west sudan and in different parts of sudan who are also support supported by uh, dirty islamist money um so there's 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 a lot of weapons and there's a lot of money uh, and that can be translated into a lot of violence and a lot of killing. So it's it's a very scary prospect, to be honest. I, I can't tell what's going to happen, but this can it can be as bad as a, a civil war, possibly, um, depending on how the the streets would respond and, and and how and whether the Sudanese people are willing to continue the peaceful protests. Because this is this has been probably one of the world's most peaceful revolutions. Um, the military and and, and um, other armed groups kept, you know, using violence against peaceful protesters, but we've never had a single protester raise a weapon. So let's just hope that uh, we see peace. Yes, indeed. Let's hope. Um, Sarah, I might, uh, we'll might have to um, bring you back in a month's time to get an update on the situation in Sudan. But thank you so much for your time today. And is there anything else you'd like to add? I'd like to thank you for providing this platform. Um, thank you for asking questions about what's happening in Sudan. And um, I'd just like to say that, um, you know, I'm only here speaking for myself. And um, just to remind everyone that Sudanese people are not voiceless. Sudanese women are particularly not 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 voiceless. They're, they've merely been silenced, silenced by the oppressive regime. Um, I mean, the oppressive military coup, silenced by um, the international community who want to push for this um, peace deal. I'd like to use this platform to salute all the martyrs who, and the families of the martyrs who lost their lives for freedom, peace, and justice. Um, and that's the slogan of our revolution. That was Sara Sinada, Sudanese woman and co-founder of Media for Justice in Sudan. We were discussing the revolutionary situation in Sudan, the attempts to cripple the movement and the strength and determination of the protesters to struggle and break through to victory. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. 
The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.